Welcome to the Pay Yourself First podcast. My name is Chris Jolly, and I'm on a mission to financially empower millions of entrepreneurs. I want you to make and keep more money so that you can begin implementing and turbocharging a plan for creating financial freedom your way during the life cycle of your current business without spending a ton of time or becoming a professional investor. You see, most of the financial teachings out there are made for employees, not entrepreneurs. If you wouldn't listen to someone who doesn't have kids about parenting, why take business financial advice from someone without a business? Are you ready to break free of bad advice and follow the trail of other uncommon entrepreneurs so you can get from where you are now to the lifestyle you were aiming to create when you started your business? Then stick around. Here comes another episode of Pay Yourself First, where the only investment we offer is the one you make in yourself. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm really excited because today we have another great entrepreneur on. His name is Andrew Davis, and his business is called Pop Anime Collectibles. And he sells different comic books, cards, Pop Funkos, and other collectibles on eBay and Facebook Marketplace and other places. So welcome to the show, Andrew. How are you doing today? I am doing great, and I'm super excited to be here. This is one of my favorite things to talk about is making money, running businesses, and a bunch of other stuff. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's great because that is exactly what we talk about. That's what I love to talk about too. And that's why I've got the podcast. So thanks for taking some time out of your day today and joining me and our audience. I know we're going to have some great conversation because you seem really passionate about what you do. And so I want to just dive right in. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about exactly what it is that you do, how you got started and why you do it? Yeah, so I am quote unquote a nerd. So I've been into anime, I've been into comic books, and I've been corrupted when all this wasn't mainstream. Starting when I was like six, seven years old, I was watching cartoons. And then I've been just a lifelong fan of anime comics. And I was collecting all this stuff as a collector. And then what wound up happening in college is that I needed money for beer and for comic books for the next month. And I didn't have any money because I'm a broke college kid. So I went through my collection and it turns out I bought a book for $20 about five years earlier. And it was selling for 120 bucks on eBay. So then I put it up on eBay for $110, took 10 bucks off. It sold out within a week. And I'm like, cool, I have beer money and I have money now to not buy comics for the next month, but the next few months. And it was wonderful. And then when I ran out of money again, I did the exact same thing. Fast forward six, seven months of doing it. I then said, cool, why are these books selling? And then I started formulating a small business where I was just selling on eBay here and there, getting a little money, funding stuff. And then I started to really dive into it. And then I started to expand it dramatically. And then COVID happened. And to buy these things where I was buying from, they started doing live sales every single month. And then I got to buy a bunch of things a lot faster, more accessible. And then I just started ramping it up dramatic. And so that's how that story really started. But I've been selling on eBay a bunch of different things, but it wasn't until just recently I started to going down that route. And then I just spotted, I guess, a blue ocean where nobody was selling bad girl art comics and comic books that had run at 250 print runs or 100 print runs. And then I found out that all these people were not selling them because they're collectors. So when there's only two books of a type out on the market, they tend to go for a good amount of money. And so that's how I started in the very short story of all that. 
And I've been just going ever since. And then I expanded into Pop Funkos that also have exclusivity. And then I've expanded into cards that also have exclusivity. And yeah, I'm just adding more and more collectibles. And it's just been an amazing ride. So that's the short version of that story. Awesome. Now, for people who aren't aware, can you explain what a Pop Funko is? Yeah. So I'm going to try, everybody. I'm going to try. It's a little hard to explain what a Pop Funko is. A Pop Funko is in a cardboard box that is maybe three and a half inches in the box and they're usually licensed products so they have a bunch of license for a bunch of different companies and anime and the reason why pop funkos sometimes are valuable is because they are either produced in short print runs so it's an action figure that's a little bit more cartoony is a way how to put it and what wound up happening in the marketplaces that Hot Top got exclusives, Target got exclusives, and then all these cons got exclusives, and then they created variants, and there you go. It became this whole marketplace, and sometimes some of these things go for five to ten grand a pop. And I've sold a bunch of Pop Funkos, or I haven't sold one for five grand, but I've sold a Pop Funko for $180 that I paid 15 for, which is an unbelievable rate of return. I mean, I don't know any other place that gives you a rate of return in three months like that. And so it's because they sell out really quickly and then people really want it and they're willing to spend real money because it's a collectible. And let's be realistic, people who are into anime and comics and anything that they like might spend real money because they want to complete their collection. I think I explained that the best I can. It's a weird thing to explain. It sounds like it makes sense to me, but if you're still confused out there, just go ahead and throw it in your search bar and I'm sure you, your internet will tell you exactly what Pop Funkos are and you can take a look at some of them. So for those, it sounds like it's just the limited availability and the exclusivity that really drives the price up. Is that right? Yeah, in a lot of ways. That's what a lot of Pop Funkos are. That's what a lot of comic book stuff is, at least the space I play in. So the space that I play in more particularly with comics, because Pop Funkos, I'm slowly actually getting out of that space and I'm going more to baseball cards and comics because there really isn't a limit on baseball cards. There isn't a limit on comic books to a degree. Pop Funkos, I feel like the market is a lot stiffer and the competition is harder at the moment. But what it really goes down to is that it's how accessible is a point, exclusivity, also, in comics, there's a bunch of different factors that determine a value. So condition is king on anything in general. So that's the first thing that determines the value of a comic book and a baseball card. The second is that how exclusive or rare it is. So if you have a card that only has 99 of them in the world, that's going to fetch more money than a card that has 10,000. So how many are out there? And then also with comic books, artists matter. So who did the art on the book, on the cover, or did the work inside the cover? Who's the writer in cards, and in particular baseball, it's the player. So an Aaron Judge card is going to obviously fetch more money than a brand new rookie who's in AAA in baseball. Because that AAA player at the moment hasn't proven himself yet. So in comics, it's the artist, the writer, also could be the character, it could be if that person died young. So there's a comic artist named Al Rio who unfortunately took his life and he didn't do a lot of work. So his early work fetches more money because when you pass away at 46, that's relatively young. And he would have had at least another 20, 30 years. So people want his work. So that adds a price to it. And then also what happened in the book. So right now it's the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman. So when Superman died, that was a key event. And so that also dictates price is that if a major event happened 
or when Gwen Stacy was killed in Spider-Man back in the 70s, that is a sort after book because a major event happened. I, though, I don't really deal with events. I deal with cover art because, again, it's just easier in the area that I focus on. And the people who want to buy cover art, I'll buy a book for 20 bucks and then I'll sell for 60, 80, sometimes $150. And the margins are just so much bigger that I would prefer not to spend my time researching key events and have to fight against all of the other people who are doing that in this space. And I find that less people are fighting over cover art and it's just less competitive. And that's what my business is set up as. That's awesome. It sounds like you really have latched onto that blue ocean idea. And for those of you out there, if you're not really familiar with what that is, there was a book written within the last five or 10 years, I believe that explains it is basically when you're looking for a market for your business, you can go to the mainstream that where you do the same thing as everybody else. And then you have to try to compete on price and service and all of these things, or you can go to an area of the market that nobody is serving. And then you have a wide open blue ocean in front of you. It's far less competition for you and more niched as well. Yeah. It's just, I found a way where I found that there's less competition, which means there's more money. And this is a business. This is not a hobby. And even though I have a nine to five, this is a very lucrative business and I treat it as such. And it's a lot of fun to run my business because I'm dealing with collectibles. I'm dealing with really cool comic books. At the same time, I want to make money. And I would much rather deal with a particular modern day book versus dealing with a book from the 70s and have to deal with key things. And then everybody's trying to jack up the prices and it just becomes way harder. And that's the thing, because the more money I have on top of my nine to five, it changes my lifestyle and it also gives me more options. And so the business that I'm running is very self-sufficient and that's what is so wonderful. And I just figured out how to do it. And right now I'm a little bit of a turbulent time because I'm diversifying parts of my merchandise, but it's not that we're testing with three other companies beyond the particular company that I work with. That is most of my merch and whatever company I pick up is going to be maybe 10% new stuff. And I'm going to diversify my merch, but it's in the same vein. Very cool. Now let's talk about the money since you brought it up. You said that you made your first hundred bucks selling a book that you had bought for 20. Where are you at now with the business? What kind of revenue did you do in 2022? And what's your revenue goal for 2023, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, so I did about 19,000 in sales to about 20, around that number. I don't have the exact. And on profit, I did about eight grand. But before, what I mean by profit is the way my business is set up is that the first thing, so if I sell a book for $60 and it costs me 20, eBay takes a fee. That's primarily what I sell on is eBay. eBay takes a fee. But then after that, I pay myself back with the book, but I buy a new book to replenish the old merch. Then I set money aside for taxes. And then I take a profit off of every single book. So you might say, oh, it's only eight grand, but that's eight grand in profit after I do all those other things. So then when I buy a new piece of merchandise, I'm not putting any new money in the business. So what I'm probably going to do in 2023, ideally would be 25,000 just because I would like to do 30. And I think that if I really was more aggressive, I could do 30. I'm just a little concerned about the economy right now and the market is soft. I'm also probably going to make less profit because I'm actually buying merch because when the economy in my business is a disaster, People want cool collectibles, but in 18 months from now, it's all going to turn around and then I'm going to sell everything that I bought. And I'm probably in 2024 and 2025 going to have a forty dollars to $45,000 a year with the same margins 
which is just amazing. And so I'm realizing that it's going to be a down year, but it's going to be an expansion year because I'm in this for the long haul. I'm 30. My goal is to be in this space for the next 30 years. That's a great growth trajectory from the first $100. So congrats on that. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so weird. And this was back in college when I didn't understand money. Yeah. So let's talk about that because I feel like most people still don't understand money. And part of it is because there's so little education that's given to us as we're growing up and becoming adults. What, if anything, were you taught about money? Yeah. My father's a very good investor. And I started to become a good investor. And there, there were certain things that happen in life that change you. And obviously, you you inherit $10,000 from your grandparents who passed away. And now you're like, oh, great, I got $10,000. And so it changes the way you view it. And then you start saying, cool, I now understand what it means to have $10,000. And then you start looking up other things and you start saying, cool, what can I invest in? How does this work? What is the rate of return? And then fast forward, I started getting into stocks piece by piece. I then started getting into some other things. And then I just started watching a lot of YouTube stuff. I started listening. I looked at what my dad was investing in. I have friends now who are into investing and we obviously trade and have debates. And then you start reading books on this. And then I read Ray Dalio's book and I read Tony Robbins book about money. And so that stuff really started to shape me on that. And then I came to become a dividend investor. So what I really love is I love dividends. I have a very nice diversified dividend portfolio where it's a mixture of blue chip stocks, good stocks, some high flyers, and then things that pay monthly because I love dividends and I love cash flow. And I actually put that into a drip. And so that's also, I just miraculously came across it. And I'm like, this kind of makes sense. And I like free cash flow because cash is king. And so that's, how I guess, I have evolved. And most of my eBay business and what I generate goes into the stock market or goes into corporate small business bonds, which also pay monthly principal and interest. I'm in the process in the next two months of building that where every month it's going to buy me two new bonds. And so I'm growing that side up, which becomes another asset class for me. And I also play in crypto and I stake my crypto and I get interest in crypto because the more money you have, the more options you have in life. And so that's where I'm at. And I'm 30 and I'm hoping in the next five years, I'm going to be a millionaire. Sounds like you're off to a great start there. So let's talk about that because we talk a lot about financial freedom on this show. So once you have made your millions and you get to the point where if you want to, you could step away from your nine to five job and you were just totally financially free, what would you do with your time? Yeah, see, I don't know what I'm going to do with my time. What I would love is that I would love to go to a three-day schedule and almost become a contract worker because this way I have more time, but I'm not completely off of not doing anything because I guess that's where I'm at. But the likelihood of me ever stepping away is probably not going to happen because I like my job. I like where I work in digital accessibility. So when you're helping kids learn how to read and write, and your job doesn't torture you, it's not terrible to go to your job. I run a podcast where I interview people in comics and pop culture, and that's, I'm trying to turn it into a business. And so I would like to do more of that if I was completely financially free and I was having millions of dollars and I didn't have to worry about anything. I would like to do that more, but yeah, I haven't really thought about this. There is one thing I want to buy. When I get up to $3 million as net worth, I'm going to go buy a Dodge Challenger Hellcat SRT because those cars are beasts and I want one and I love the way it looks. That's like the only thing I've thought about. That's it. I haven't thought about anything else for the most part. 
Fair enough. Now, it sounds like you you at least mentally have a plan about what you do with your money when you make it. Do you actually follow a written financial plan or it's just as money comes in, you decide what to invest it in or how does that work for you? Oh, yeah. I have a battle plan completely. My portfolio is based in just a bunch of different things and stocks. And also I have with my corporate bonds, there's a number that will produce me what I want. And so it's just getting to that number and looking at it. And I know how to read a bond prospectus. So I can sit and wait for the right bonds to come up for me. But with stocks, I set goals. I want 350 shares of this one. I want 400 shares of this one. And I set a date of when I want to get it by because certain stocks have special dividends. So I have to meet that special dividend because anytime a company is going to give me additional money for free on top of their regular distribution, I'm going to take the free money every single time. And so I set goals and I work it with my paycheck. I work it with what I'm selling and I'm very disciplined. And then when I meet that goal, then I work on that goal next. And so it's written down and then I just systematically attack it. And Dave Ramsey talks about the debt snowball. I take what he does and I just apply it to, I call it the investment snowball. I take what he does, which is to attack the smallest debt first. So right now I'm 13 shares away from 350 of a particular stock. That is the smallest number. So I attack that one first. Then if I want to get my Coca-Cola, I'm 40 shares away up to 100 shares. So I have about 60 shares of Coca-Cola. I'm going to attack that one next. And then let's say I want to get Apple up to 300 or 400. Then if I attack that one next. For me, I have all this stuff in a drip, which helps the attack. And so this is how I do it. And then I add new things into my portfolio here and there. And yeah, with my 401k, it automatically goes into an S&P 500 fund. So I don't have any control over that, but I like that too. It's very much intentional. Yeah, it sounds like you're off to a good start. And I love that whole investing snowball idea. All right. So now tell me, Andrew, what is your biggest financial challenge in your business right now? What's going on is that it's the competition. It is increased because everybody in their brother now is A, writing a comic book and B, everybody's trying to sell them. And so what's happened to me is I've actually had to go through diversification. So people are significantly undercutting what I used to sell. And so they'll only make $15. And then after eBay takes all that stuff, they're making five bucks. And so I actually have to go through diversification. And diversification is very complicated. I'm going to lose a little bit of money. And what I mean is maybe I'm going to lose $400 to figure out the pivot. But $400 when we're talking about building a $30,000, $50,000 business, in the short term, it sucks because I don't like to lose money. When I lose money, I cry. But I don't mind testing something for four or 500 bucks if it's going to solve my problem for the next six years. And the pivots I'm making is nobody's selling that stuff on eBay and in Facebook Marketplace at the moment. So that's the biggest thing is that everybody's doing it. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is that it's just gotten a lot stiff for the competition. But I think it's going to ease up. Because I think people are going to be like, man, this is really hard. And I think people are going to get really burned because I think everybody thinks this is easy, but it's not. Andrew, it's a really amazing and interesting story that you've got. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience? I just want everybody to get rich. Really, I just want people to get rich and be financially free. And I want you to do it with as little debt as possible. And take your time because life is long. And that, that's all I have to say on that is that life is long and you need to figure out how to make money and take distributions. And there's nothing wrong with growing slow as long as you survive. There's plenty of companies that grow fast and die. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. And I hope people get value out of this. I hope people get value out of this and I hope people go and uh, create businesses.
Yeah, I think that they really will. I know that you definitely did share a lot of value, a lot of great insights for listeners. You've got a really good financial head on your shoulders. That's really commendable. Yeah, just thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to find out more about what you do and what you're selling, where can they do that? Yeah, so you could go on eBay. It's Pop Anime Comics Collectibles. You could check me out there. Um, you could bother me on Twitter at Pop Anime Comics, on Instagram at Pop Anime Comics. Obviously, Facebook is Pop Anime Comics. And you can listen to my show on YouTube, Pop Anime Comics. You might not get smarter on my show, but you will be entertained. And then sometime this year, I will be launching a comic book investing class, particularly on Udemy. The goal is to keep it for 40 bucks for about 20 hours of my time. And it's going through the basics because, again, I want people to at least get some knowledge. All right. If you're listening out there and you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and subscribe, leave a five-star review, do all that good stuff. And if you want to come on our show like Andrew did today and share your valuable insights for me and the listeners, we'd love to have you on. All right. Thanks again, Andrew. If you've listened this far, chances are you're an entrepreneur looking to become more financially literate and create financial freedom for yourself from your business. The Pay Yourself First podcast is definitely here to help with that. My goal is to continue to share what I've learned about using your business as the tool to create financial freedom. But let's face it, it would take me years to share with you everything you need to know via these episodes. Creating financial freedom is something that most people never even consider, let alone make a plan for or take action towards. It's something almost no one was taught anything about. Doing it as an entrepreneur is even more challenging, especially without support. So if you're ready to get clear on what financial freedom looks like for you, come up with an action plan and get the support systems and accountability you need, I invite you to consider the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur. I created the program to help entrepreneurs just like you get a handle on their personal and business finances and start building confidently towards financial freedom. And it's how you can discover ways to take 10 years off your retirement, add an extra five or six figures to your portfolio, and finally get clear on what numbers you should be tracking in your business and why. Together, we'll gain clarity around your financial goals and what being financially free would actually look like for you. Then we'll put together a customized game plan to get you there and the accountability to see you through. And by the way, you're also gonna get all the spreadsheets you need to run your numbers lifetime access to the materials, including any updates, and entry into our members-only community. In addition to all the knowledge, coaching, community, and systems that you need to create financial freedom from your business, you'll also receive a free financial assessment, a retirement planning session, and guided meditation aimed at helping you embody the feeling of true financial freedom. So yeah, you can just listen to the free content on these podcasts to help you move towards becoming a financially free entrepreneur. And sure, you'll likely see some results, or you can make the decision to commit to learning, implementing, and embodying what you need to know to create the financially free life you dreamed of when you started your business journey. Click the link in the show notes to answer a quick questionnaire, and you'll be on your way to joining the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur.